What's your favorite way to learn? I like graphic novels because I can see who's talking. My grandma reads the newspaper to me. I like movies on TV. I play learning games on my dad's tablet. I like reading plain old regular books with lots of detail. This is Worlds Awaiting, helping children read, write, see, speak, think, and listen. Here's our host, Rachel Wada. Have you ever read or shared a great pop-up book? I'm sure most of us have. These inventive books expand the two-dimensional world of books into a vivid 3D representation, all using paper and glue. Each of these books combine a unique approach to paper engineering so that they become not only great stories, but magnificent feats of structural design, too. I'm always amazed when I open an amazingly constructed pop-up to see how artists not only have seen a story in 3D, but they have worked out all the pieces and folds to make sure that it not only comes alive, but then it can lay flat again with very little effort. The amount of work that goes into conceptualizing and producing these kinds of books is just staggering. For me, one of the foremost paper engineers out there is Robert Sabuda. Sabuda's books are rich and detailed. He can take any story from a classic one like The Wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland and bring it to life with paper and ink. How fun is it to see the tornado springing up from the pages of the book as we really see Dorothy sent off to Oz? Sabuda's pop-up conveying the 12 days of Christmas is also stunning. With a very limited color palette of white, red, green, and purple, it really uses the pop-ups to show off all the gifts a true love would give. Pop-up books can also be highly interactive. Some books have flaps or tags that make the picture do something, or others can even double as puppets. My favorite to read aloud is Jen Penkowski's Dinner Time, where we learn about the food chain with animals' mouths that pop up. This makes it so that you can make each of them talk with a little movement of the cover as they say their words, I'm going to eat you for my dinner! Today, pop-up books cover the gamut from fiction to nonfiction, from simple stories for toddlers to complex, interactive ones for teens. So no matter who your readers are, here at Rachel's World, we are sure that you can find a great pop-up book to enjoy. If you're a teacher, you get to look your audience in the eye. If you're a stand-up comic, you play to a visible crowd. If you're an athlete, the bleachers hold fans and spectators. When does a children's book author ever get to see her readers? Today, Rachel welcomes author Julie Berry, who answers this question for us. Spoiler alert! She's pleased to know that she makes a difference. Berry is the author of The Emperor's Ostrich, as well as the 2017 Prince Honor novel, The Passion of Dulce. The Carnegie and Edgar shortlisted, All the Truth That's in Me, and multiple other well-known titles. She holds a BS from Rensselaer in Communication, and an MFA from Vermont College. Here's Rachel with Julie Berry. We're in studio today with author Julie Berry. Welcome, Julie. Thank you for having me. Julie, one of the things I love to ask authors is about their interaction with their readers, because I think that a lot of people think that writing is a really solitary occupation and reading is a really solitary occupation. But for me, the real magic of writing and reading is when the reader and the writer come together and they have this beautiful conversation, which is different than the writer sometimes intends and sometimes different than the reader intends. So how do you have this beautiful conversation with your readers? How do you interact with them? 
That's a great question. And there's so many different levels to it, right? We could talk about when I actually get in front of people, when I do bookstore events or speak at conferences. Certainly Twitter and Facebook and email create a kind of access and connection that I couldn't have imagined when I was young. Um, I'd never met an author until I went to college, never. And and so the way in which people have access to authors now is, is really great. I love doing um, presentations and workshops in schools. Uh, I had no idea when I set out to become an author that that would be so rewarding. I just wanted a book with my name on the front, and I didn't anticipate how much joy I would get from talking to kids. And, and kids... It's so cute. They think we're all, you know, magicians. They think an author is just, you know, uh, a superstar. And uh, I'm not going to tell them I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't tell them. You are a superstar. (laughs) Uh, I love that. But because they think you're magical, you have the ability to really make a difference. You have the ability to inspire them because they're hanging on your every word. Unlike parenting, let's just say, for example, where nobody listens to a word you say. Um, so I love that. But I think on a on a deeper level, there's an interaction between the author and the reader, regardless of whether we ever meet or we ever, ever communicate online. And that's that very intimate sharing of the story. And although I've been doing this for a lot of years now, it's still a very vulnerable act to write a book. I feel in some ways like I'm exposing myself. You know, there's a sort of nakedness to pouring your heart out into the page. And, and every piece I've written, whether it's funny or, or serious, um, contains a part of my heart that, um, that's very vulnerable. And, and that we, you know, I'm humbled to get to be a part of that transaction. As a teacher, I really find that magic in that transaction. And I think once we grasp particularly kids with that magic, they really realize what's what's moving on next and, you know, what, what power reading has for them. As you've been looking at comments from readers or interact with readers, is there any way that a reader has experienced one of your books that's kind of surprised you or or taken you aback or or maybe made you feel like, oh, yes, I'm so glad that that reader found that or maybe something you didn't entirely intend? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and the whole gamut, right? Um, thanks to Goodreads and Amazon, we have the ability to look at what lots of people have had to say about our books. And of course, if I were more spiritually evolved, I wouldn't ever look there, but I do. <laughs> and, um, and I'm used to it now. Um, there will always be some readers who are, you know, kind of unmoved. But particularly with The Passion of Dulce, my most recent book, um, the 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 kinds of reactions that people have shared have just brought tears to my eyes. And while I love the book and I, I know that it came from a very um, sacred place for me um, and that it allowed me to explore some of my deepest feelings about faith and about miracles and about love and about sacrifice. um, It's still a, a surprise to find that another reader can engage with it in a similar way and and be affected by it. We, you know, obviously as an author, we're always looking to create an effect, whether that's to make you have a belly laugh or to keep you scared and, you know, reading with a flashlight. Um, but it's an incredible privilege and, and compliment if somebody is really deeply affected. 
th- that really is so insightful, and I appreciate that. And as I think about your young adult novels, and Dulce being one of them, and that character too, those novels come from a really raw place for me as a reader. And and reading reading your YA, I, I find myself taken as a reader to to a really thoughtful, um, almost philosophical place in in my head, which I enjoy as a reader because that takes me kind of outside of myself and helps me see something from a new way. So as you create your characters, are you thinking like that, that you're wanting to kind of push the boundaries a little bit and and help readers kind of extend their viewpoint? Or are you just letting the the character kind of take the path and the feel that you want it to and that creation becomes something that puts the reader there? Or is it kind of a combination of both? Mm, that's an excellent question. You know, it might sound funny to people if we say that the writing of fiction demands a commitment to the truth, because obviously this is a made-up world. It's a made-up story. These are made-up characters. They are the product of, of an inventive process. At the same time, I truly believe that the only way to write literature that's worth the trees it's printed on is to commit yourself fully to the characters being who they are. And and here again, we get into one of these sort of unexplainable mysteries about writing, which is that the characters are often deeper and wiser than I am. You know, they, they do have a sort of life of their own, and they have a voice of their own. And again, that sounds a little odd. <laughs> but it's, it's the truth. I'm a witness. Capturing that kind of unexplainable mystery is something I've tried to do for many years. And as I talk to authors, I, I tr- help you know. I hope we can articulate that, but we really can't because it is kind of unexplainable that process. But one of the things you do really well is you go out to schools and you work with kids and you help them kind of break down the process into maybe some steps that are a little more explainable, so they could <laughs> dive into the mysteries. So tell us a little bit about those interactions as you're working with budding writers and as you're helping kids in schools or in other programs to to kind of develop their own voice as a writer. What are those experiences like? Well, I really enjoy that. And I think when I'm trying to teach kids how to write, all I'm really trying to do is help them understand what a story is and and the sort of framework that it's built on. And this isn't too terribly hard because they already know. They've grown up on stories, whether that's through television or movies or certainly, I hope, through lots of great reading. They know what a story is. They just need me to kind of make it clear and just to give them some parameters and some tips on how they can uh, use the recipe for themselves. So um, we talk about how fiction is always based on desire. It, all, it requires a character who wants something that they cannot have, problems that seem impossible to solve, um, enemies, opposition, danger, bad luck, something to believe in and hope for, a reason to persist in, in seeking the goal, um, some friends and helpers, some skills and tools, and then just a lot going on, a lot of action. This is sort of the, the recipe that I spell out for kids. And it's really, really fun to see the light bulb come on in their minds as they understand, well, of course that's what a story is, and I knew that anyway. But now that I have a little framework, now I can attach my own ideas to that framework. And what I love most is how I hear often from parents and teachers that their child, who was a reluctant reader and a very reluctant writer, started writing a story in my workshop, 
and they worked on it for months afterwards. I love that. That makes me so, so happy. That lovely, playful sense of writing, I think, comes out in your work so much. And I, I'm so grateful that you emulate what you're preaching <laughs> to in your books. But as we close up today, Julie, maybe tell us one or two of those other authors out there that you think um, you would recommend as kind of emulating this sense of playful, wonderful writing. Oh, boy. This is always the question where my mind goes utterly blank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. Some of the authors I love most are um, C.S. Lewis, not just because I love the Narnia stories and his other works, but because I love the the playfulness of his language and the, the tone he adopts um, in addressing his readers. I love P.G. Woodhouse. He is a master comedian, and I think he does not get the, the critical praise he deserves because we tend to favor serious works of dramatic literature as over, you know, light and frothy comedies. But but he is a master plotter, and he's just hilarious. And the, the tongue-in-cheek tone throughout the way he lampoons his characters so affectionately is, is just marvelous. I'm an enormous fan of Terry Pratchett and just grieved when he died. There again, um, somebody completely unafraid to break all the rules because the language is just in him and story is in him and his works are so much their own creation. They're so much Terry Pratchett and yet they draw joyfully from Phantom of the Opera or Macbeth or um, whatever thing he's evoking that day. So his, his ability to sort of sink a taproot down into the literary tradition and, and still make it his own is, is marvelous. Um, and he's written wonderful works for young readers as well as for slightly less young <laughs> readers. I think that the opening paragraph of Weird Sisters by Terry Pratchett is just a masterpiece. I just read it over and over again and just cackle. I, I would agree totally there. <laughs> Terry Pratchett is one of my all-time favorites and probably one of the few authors that I've read everything by that because I just love his his sense and his beauty. So thank you so much, Julie. This has been an honor visiting with you today. Thank you. Children's book author Julie Berry, talking about how she enjoys interacting with her readers and knowing she's played a part in boosting their desire to read. In our next segment, Rachel follows up on a previous episode of Worlds Awaiting when she interviewed Isha Gupta about the popular mobile app Hooked. You may recall that Hooked uses text messaging as a way to deliver YA fiction in serialized form. Today's conversation leads into another innovative function devised by the creators of Hooked. The app has now become a place where readers can come together to create a story. Here's Rachel with Isha Gupta, one of the founders of Hooked. We're on the phone with Isha today, who is one of the founders of an innovative new app called Hooked that is working to get kids reading through stories told in text messages. Welcome, Isha. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to talk to you today. I think what you're doing is so innovative and interesting and really is something that can help kids in a wide variety of ways. One of the things that I think is interesting about your app is that it's not just about reading, but there's also kind of a participatory aspect to it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so 
you know, in addition to the opportunity to read many fiction stories in this kind of chat text message format, which you just mentioned, there's the ability to write stories in that format as well. There are kind of two ways that this can go. One is that as a singular person, um, you, you know, you log into the app and you start creating your own story and you have the total control over all the different characters and, you know, um, you know, what each, how many characters there are and when they text and what they're saying and all of that. Uh, so you're sort of the, the sole auteur. Um, and the other opportunity is a group sort of story where you start it um, and you pick a character and maybe even pick a theme if you want to do that. And then you text your friends and they'll receive a message. And when they click into it, they become a character. And so the story is actually written literally as an exchange of of text messages back and forth between the group. Um, and you can have a, just an exchange between two people. You can have an exchange up to five people in a group. Yeah, it's, it's a kind of fun way to, to think about writing as a more interactive, um, almost like game-like, you know, experience. That really is such a unique way to look at writing. I think sometimes we look at writing as fairly static, but I love this kind of interactive group aspect that you have to it. So what kind of feedback have you gotten from people that are participating with you in this kind of writing? Yeah, I think ultimately uh, pretty positive. The, we, we, we initially didn't even really think about um, having a writing feature, but it was something that when we launched the app uh, as just a reading app, we just kept getting so many requests from our readers to have the ability for them to be able to write, which is ultimately why we created the feature because, you know, it's just what it's what the people wanted. <laughs> and so we thought, okay, we should, you know, we should take this seriously and see um, if it's something that they'll enjoy. And, and I think within the first week that we launched it, we had something crazy, like 10,000 stories written. Um, and I mean, clearly people were just really clamoring for the opportunity to write these stories. I think generally it's just kind of a source of, of entertainment and, um, and fun. But the flip side of that is actually one of our most popular authors was uh, we discovered through it's it's called UGC user generated content you know when um when a group of your your maybe readers or watchers can then go and create their own content and or stories Caroline Mills is an example of of someone who wrote stories through this feature that in the app and then just tweeted at us one day about a story that she had written and the way she tweeted about it intrigued all of us on the team. And so we went and read it and it's actually really good. And so, yeah, we ended up basically acquiring the story from her and featuring it. And now it has like, you know, like tens of thousands of reads and is one of the most popular stories in the app. So I think in addition to being something that's, that's a source of entertainment, it can actually be a way to discover serious authors. Um, she's like a, a professional writer who wants to make this her career. So it's pretty cool. That, that's such a unique event. And I think that's so very interesting that you're bringing all of these people together. And I think that really is one of the things I love about your app is that really is bringing people into this social space that technology is providing. And I think in some ways, one of its benefits then for me would be that it's helping people be more empathetic and engage with a wider range of people and also engage in that with those people through stories and storytelling. And that becomes a really empathetic, really motivational kind of space to be in. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I think you bring up a good point just more generally about stories and their ability to 
create empathy within people as readers and, you know, and even writers. I think stories have this really unique way of allowing a person to step into a world or to step inside um, of a person's maybe inner head that they would otherwise not have access to and to imagine relationships and scenarios that that they otherwise maybe wouldn't have the opportunity to imagine or, or even that they would write off, you know, like, oh, a person like that would never, a person like XYZ would never understand me or I could never like empathize with a person like ABC, you know, and then you read a story where all of a sudden someone who you would maybe never have a conversation with in real life is like a character you really are rooting for or is someone who you just, you know, really want to see succeed. And and all of a sudden, like it opens up your ability to, to just have more humility and more humanity um, in your actual daily life with people who maybe you wouldn't have otherwise felt that way toward. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's always just true for stories, great stories in general. And now um, there's this community forming around not just having those experiences of reading and, and perhaps even writing alone, but either reading a story and then sharing it with friends or seeing in the comment section what other people are saying. Or on the writing perspective, you write something and then you see how it touches people or you see the questions that they're asking or the conversations that it's sparking. So but if anything, really just, you know, poisonous is happening, uh, you know, like the trolls, as they say, are, are kind of infecting the community that we're able to find them quickly and sort of shut them down. Um, because especially with a young kind of teen audience, but then also in a space where so much creativity is happening, happening, which is ultimately like creates a bit of vulnerability. It should be a place where people um, feel safe. So, yeah, we, we really do care about that and try our very best. I mean, the, the community holds each other accountable too. It's an amazing thing to see. Like a lot of times negativity isn't able to rise to the top in terms of like gaining popularity. Like it gets shut down even just by community members. And I, and I think you're right, particularly in a creative community like this. But as a concerned adult, I'm grateful that you guys are paying attention, that this is going to be a, a wonderful, safe place for for all of our children and teens to play in. So tell us a little bit about what's going to happen in the future. What what are you looking towards coming up? Yeah, a lot of exciting things. I think we definitely imagine text message stories is sort of the beginning of much bigger opportunities to tell richer and richer stories and incorporate, you know, all levels of media. So audio, images, you know, video, illustration, like things that make sense incrementally and that kind of add richness to the story. But I will say that ultimately the the all great stories come down to the writing. And so we want to make sure that we're always focusing on that um, and making sure that that's really solid and then building on top of that. So, um, you know, in addition to sort of just amping up our kind of mystery and romance catalogs, uh, which is it's our big focus for the next few months, um, we're really thinking about sort of delving into different types of adding different types of media to sort of some of our existing popular stories and seeing how that can enrich characters and sort of like the world building aspects of the stories that readers love in the app. Well, I, for one, am really excited to see what is going to come from you very creative and, and amazingly adept storytellers out there. So you and your core creators should should be very excited for the future because fans like myself are, are excited for what we're going to see come out. 
Uh, well, that's sweet and that's exciting. I'm, I'm glad that you like the app and we just hope that it gets people excited about reading and, and even just for ourselves, like I, I, I am totally guilty of just like scrolling through my Instagram feed or randomly reading like a bunch of posts, other people's posts about news on Facebook, you know, and it's like, before you know it, like you just have all this stuff going on in your mind and, and you haven't sort of taken 10 or 15 or 30 minutes to take yourself out of like, you know, your world and transport yourself into like a more meditative state. And I think reading really helps with that. And so if we can create little pockets like that for people in their daily lives, and we will feel like we have at least achieved something. So <laughs> hopefully that will happen. Well, it has happened for me. I know I've I've been a reader on your app and I maybe someday I'll be a writer too. You never know. But I really encourage my listeners out there to go out and check it out because it really is an amazing new format for storytelling that can really engage readers and writers in in a fun new way. So congratulations to all of you with this great work. And I, like I said, I'm excited to, to see what comes next. Thank you so much. Isha Gupta, co-founder of Hooked, a mobile app that offers works of fiction in short text messages, discussing the group story writing aspect of the app. We finish up the show with a book review from Greg Fahey at the Springville Library in Utah. He introduces The Adventures of Superhero Girl, a graphic novel by cartoonist Faith Aaron Hicks. Okay, today I'm going to be reviewing The Adventures of Superhero Girl by Faith Aaron Hicks. Uh, this is a graphic novel, and I read a fair bit of graphic novels. I really enjoyed this one because it's uh, really kind of a parody of the uh, normal superhero genre but it's just a really fun kind of comic more than a graphic novel even our protagonist in these books is like a 20 something year old girl who lives and fights crime in a small city in canada uh you can bet that there's a lot less crime than necessarily occurs in like you know new york or the general uh superhero metropolises Uh, as such she's got to deal with a ton of things that most superheroes don't She fights crime, but her villains are more like the Marshmallow Menace, who uh, throws marshmallows with a mixed effect, or like the bear with the monocle, who's a bear with a monocle. It's fairly self-explanatory. But we also see her deal with a bunch of problems that we don't normally see superheroes deal with. For example, she needs to find hobbies because there's very little crime. She forgets to take off her mask and has to deal with sunburns and issues with that, and also deals with not getting corporate sponsorship for her superheroing so having to find uh having to deal with a little bit more practical problems not only does this kind of parody a superhero genre it's really fun because it analyzes a lot of other aspects of her life in a really enjoyable manner she has an older brother who is considered perfect by everybody else and she has to deal with that and i think we've all or at least i have dealt with uh, a perfect older brother Uh, at least in the eyes of my parents, compared to me. She also has to, you know, find jobs. She's got to deal with her roommate. Uh, Just a ton of things that make her a really relatable character. And just the whole story, very fun. The age that this is appropriate is is pretty much everyone. This book has gotten an Eisner Award winner for Best Publication for Kids. It's got a Yalsa recommendation for great graphic novels for teens. It has very little violence, it has no language, it makes it a a very clean read and good for pretty much all ages. I really enjoyed it, and the moment I read it, 
I just skimmed through it just to kind of see what was in it, and I was hooked right off the bat. I recommended it to the next person I saw. It was just so great. I would just recommend this book to really anybody who loves superheroes, funny stories, and just, just family dynamics and having a fun time. Greg Fahey from the Springville Library in Utah, reviewing The Adventures of Superhero Girl, a graphic novel by cartoonist Faith Aaron Hicks. We'll look forward to more young reader book reviews in the future. For a full collection of book reviews, check out the World's Awaiting Book Reviews link on our website at byuradio.org. Thanks for listening to World's Awaiting. Tune in Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. and weekdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143, on the TuneIn app and at byuradio.org.